In Your Pocket, episode number 35 with our farthest west geographically class A school in the metro. No, not anymore, because Gretna and Elkhorn would be farther west than you, right, Krugs? Correct. Yes. Okay. So, the former farthest west class A school in the metro, Mark Kruger from Millard West High School here in Omaha. Uh, but before we start talking to Coach Kruger, uh, we want to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive, just off of 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at CossackChiro.com. That's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Be sure to tell Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Try to have daily coaching tidbits there. Uh, So please be sure to follow us on a pen and a napkin. I believe Coach Kruger is a follower on a pen and a napkin, correct? You bet. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Obviously, if you're listening. Be sure to uh, like, subscribe, download, rate, review, uh, either on SoundCloud or iTunes. Get the five-star reviews out there. We want to let as many folks know about, us pen and, uh, about a pen and a napkin uh, as we can. We want to help coaches hone their craft. And last but certainly not least, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. The man, the myth, the legend from Millard West High School. Mark Kruger, 23 years total as a coach, 14 uh, years, I no, is it 14 years as a head coach? I, uh, no, not, not as a head coach, uh, eight. Eight, altogether well, as a head coach. Well, eight here in Nebraska, yeah, so ten, ten with uh, with my two in Iowa. Gotcha, all right, see... That's why I'm a history teacher, and and I don't I don't tackle, uh, tackle the math stuff. So, uh, but uh, and you know what? I thought about this earlier today. Please tell me you set your DVR for the Jordan series. Yes, I did. Yeah, absolutely. When when you said, uh, "Hey, let's let's uh, tape this at uh, eight o'clock on Sunday," I thought you were nuts, but. Um, but yeah, no worries. I'll watch it later tonight and get caught up and stay away from Twitter here for a little while. <laughs> well, hey, at the very least, here here's the favor I did for you. Now you don't have to sit through the commercials. Hey, there you go. So there's a silver lining with with everything that we do here. So how's uh, how's the quarantine going at your house? It's uh, you know it's it's going about as good as good as can be, I guess. Yeah. So uh, we're healthy and we're we're hunkered down and getting a hang of this distance learning thing, I guess. And, and, uh, my kids are, are doing the same and we're surviving. Yeah. Yeah. Are they getting antsy? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, uh, we got one that's, that's missing his, his track season another that's missing her dance competitions and the little, little small one is missing her youth soccer season. So those are, you know, kind of adjusting to that and the disappointment of not getting to do the things they, they really love to do. Yeah. Now, what's your role as a dance dad? Deal said that he's on like the <laughs> stage crew. Uh, yeah. What do? You, what role do you fill? Um, I am just the casual observer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I love that role because I don't know anything about dance, and as long as she doesn't fall down, I assume she did a great job, and <laughs> I can just, I can.
can just clap and give her a hug and tell her she did great. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't know any difference. I, I'm still pushing for the reality show Dave Deal Dance Dads. Um, uh, he, he would, he would. That would be a hit. Yes, yes, it would be. It definitely would be. So, all right, Coach. Um, you know, an Iowa guy at heart here uh, on the other side of the river, like myself. Uh, give give us a little bit of background about Mark Kruger for those that uh, for the folks that don't know uh, a whole lot about you and your journey to uh, to Millard West High School. All right. Well, yeah, I grew up in a really small little tiny town right in central Iowa, about a half hour just northeast of of Ames, called Hubbard. Um, and then when I got into high school, it became Hubbard Radcliffe High School. Um, Famous for um, basketball on the girls' side, a little trivia note here for you, Hubbard Radcliffe was the last ever six-on-six state basketball champions. Wow. Um, That would have been 92? 1993. 93, 92, 93. 93, yeah. So, yeah, they kind of hold that that claim to fame. Um, And uh, from there, I went to Waldorf College in Forest City, Iowa, and then um, that was a two-year school then, and then I went to Northwest Missouri State. Um, I was playing baseball, uh-huh. so um, my, kind of my baseball journeys took me to Northwest Missouri State, and um, from there, my first my first teaching job was in Glenwood, Iowa, mm-hmm. and I was kind of an assistant coach in everything. Mm-hmm. Assistant, fo- I was you know young and single, and it kept me out of trouble. I was an assistant football coach, assistant basketball coach, and then you know in Iowa they do their baseball in the summer. So I was a, an assistant baseball coach in the summer, so kind of busy year-round. And then um, I was the assistant boys coach and then had the opportunity to, after three years to move over and be the girls' head coach. Um, and I did that for two years. And then during that time, I um, met my, my future wife, and she was employed at a, at a boys' town. Mm-hmm. And so we, we built a house in Bellevue, and she went to boys' town, and I drove to Glenwood every day. And... An opportunity came up at Miller, at sorry, at uh, at Bellevue West, and uh, I took that opportunity and got coaching girls basketball. At that time, I kind of told myself that um, it was time to not coach year round um, with all the different sports. I always felt like, um, especially when I became a head coach, that I was coaching baseball in the summer and should be given more time to basketball, and felt pulled in a bunch of different directions. And said, I just want to coach a sport and give it a hundred percent and. Um, an opportunity at Bellevue West came open with with Pritchie and, and his staff, and um, got on board there and, and loved it, and kind of moved my way up the ladder with with Matt, and eventually was able to take over there, and then um, wound up at uh, at Millard West shortly after. Mm-hmm. How tough was it to kind of you know you 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 were a head coach for two years, so it's not a yes. terribly long time, but it still had to be an adjustment to going from calling the shots to being the guy that's not calling the shots anymore. You know, what was that transition like for you? Yeah, it was, um, it wasn't a big deal. Um, I was like, I, I remember telling people like I wasn't, I wasn't arrogant if that's the right word that, you know, I have to be a head coach. I just wanted a coach mm-hmm. um, and an opportunity to come and do it at a place like, like Bellevue West was exciting for me. And, and quite honestly, you know, being that that young, and I, I realize now that I had no idea what I was doing uh, <laughs> when I was when I was the head coach there in Glenwood. So I was I was eager to learn and you know and to get on 
get on with Matt and uh, and the staff with with Terry Shelsta, um, and it was just you know I could just I could just learn, and then I was I feel like then when I got the the opportunity at, at Bellevue West, I was much more prepared than I was the first time around. There are those that are still saying you don't know what you're doing. That is, and they would be right. <laughs> they, would, they would be right in a lot of areas. Yes. yes exactly. Um, what? Uh, what? You know what you know, you, you said you, you kind of didn't, after after you were a head coach, then you become an assistant coach, and you, you say half-jokingly but half-serious, I didn't know what I was doing. What are the big things that you picked up from, from Matt and from Terry that helped prepare you uh, for the next opportunity? Yeah, I think, I think first of all, with, with Matt, um, he has just such, a, such an infectious attitude, um, and... Uh, Learning, learning how to learning. I should say learning better how to to coach girls. Um, I'd never, of course, coached girls before I became the the girls' head coach. And the athletic director that hired me in in Glenwood um, was a, was at the same time he was the AD. He was the wrestling coach, and he was just like, ah, you know, players are players, and you coach them, and they you know, it shouldn't make any difference. And um, and there's maybe some truth to that, but at the same time, it is a little different. And and uh, I learned from Matt that he had the great ability to get the girls to work really, really hard, but have fun doing it. Um, so they could work their tails off and then be where they couldn't wait to come back and do it again the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and just... just uh, you know, and, and it wasn't, it's not so much like X's and O's stuff, um, but it's, it's just stuff like that. Um, Matt was really good about um, telling girls how, you know, that they're, that they could do it and to, to fill them with confidence. And even when they're not playing well, to find a silver lining in it. Um, and uh, sometimes if someone was really struggling, you know, maybe all he needed to do instead of instead of yelling at him, you know, well, maybe let's tell him a joke in a halftime and let's get her to laugh or think about something else or, you know, just something. Um, and uh, so just little things like that uh, with with Terry Shelsta, it was he he was he was great. Um, just he, he'd been through. There's nothing that guy had been. Um, you know, hadn't seen in his days of coaching. Um, so whether it was a situation on the basketball court, a situation off the basketball court, being organized, hey, we're going to the state tournament. Well, he's been there. Here's what we want to think about. Here's what we need to prepare for. You know, just just anything. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a great staff to be on and, and learn from. Well, Terry, I think his first coaching gig was at the Springfield YMCA, and he helped pop the the ball out of the peach baskets after every basket, didn't he? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yep. they they had ter- they had Terry at one end, and then they had Jeff Ritz at the other end. You know, <laughs> helping with that. So. Yeah. Well, and, and and hey, I was gonna say this right off the right off the top, but like, um, you know, all these all these podcasts you're doing, I think are are great. Um, that uh, you know, I go to you know, you go to a lot of clinics and everything like that, and sometimes it's it's not very relatable. Um, can remember the very first coaching clinic I went to um, was was Lou Olson, and being an Iowa guy, I was a huge Lou Olson fan, and he was uh-huh. in Arizona, uh-huh. and uh, he was giving a clinic. It was here in Omaha, and he was giving a clinic on zone offense, and I couldn't wait. I Man, I had my pen and my paper ready, 
And uh, so he's talking about zone offense, and he says, really, here's what we do. We stand one 6'11 guy on one block, and we stand another 6'11 guy on the other block, and we skip the ball back and forth until we can throw it to one of those 6'11 guys. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, that's not going to help me in Glenwood, Iowa, with the girls' program. <laughs> um, but my point is is that just, uh, you know, you it's nice to hear from, from other high school coaches with the same um, – you know, the same situations and the same things we're dealing with. And it's just, I think it's a great outlet for, for coaches and I've enjoyed listening to them. Um, I haven't listened to them all, but I did realize, um, you know, you're going to bring, and thank you for having me on, but you're bringing me on after Mike Neighbors, <laughs> <laughs> Doug, Doug Woodard and Jamie Sale. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough act to follow. Well, you're you're just uh, you're just batting cleanup, Crooks. <laughs> yeah, you're just batting cleanup. Um, no, I think this is uh, this is uh, the the out in the lineup right here. I think. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, you know, it's uh, I appreciate all that. You know, I really do, and and I'm glad I've been um, so uh, I'm I'm so humbled about uh some of the stuff that i've gotten from people um that you know i I really like this can you help me out with this you know and Mm -hmm. and and i'm just i'm just blown away like i'm just this idiot recording this this thing in my garage right now um (laughs) and uh and it's and it's been uh it's just been awesome um, and, and I, that does, that means a ton to me, Mark. It really does. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's been great to have uh, people on here. You know, I've had, uh, people like Dick Jungers that I've known since I was 10 or 12 years old. And then I've had people that I've never met in my life and I've had some nationally known people and I've, I've had a lot of, uh, Midwestern and, people and that type and, of thing. And people like me. And, and, you know, and, and really, really good. Uh, you know, you don't you don't win. You know, seventy percent of your games by being too big of a moron here. You know, so give yourself a little bit of credit. You know, uh, but uh, I, I do appreciate it. And 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 it's it's like you said. You know, my my first year out, it was, and I've told this story before. You know, you're you're looking for stuff, and and it, you know, a lot of it was good, but a lot of it was like you were saying. You know. I don't have two six eleven guys to put on a block against a two three zone, you know. So yeah. so or or what are the, the the problems, the issues that high school coaches can deal with, and 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 relate to one another, and how do we solve these problems together? And and that was kind of the impetus for all of this. So I, I'm just thrilled. Uh, you know the high, you know all the coaches that I've had on have been awesome, and um, you're gonna be you're gonna do a great job here. So uh, you know you'll do better than Fritchie. How about that? <laughs> well, you know. geez. All right. <laughs> so speaking of Matt Fritchie, um, he uh, he leaves Bellevue West after an extremely successful run, and now it's probably a little different scenario where now you're stepping in for a guy who has won multiple state championships and uh, has left a tremendous mark uh, in the state with what he's done, and. Uh, and now it kind of falls to you. And a lot of people think, you know, that might be great, but I'm guessing uh, there was a lot of pressure and and a, a lot of things that, that, you know, you had to think about in a whole different light now. You know, what was that like stepping it, – it's always tough stepping into being a new head coach or, you know, that type of thing, uh, going especially going from an assistant to a head coach, but stepping in for a guy like Matt who had had 
all the success that he had had. What was that process like for you? Um, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was intimidating. Um, I was, I was lucky in the, in the fact that he, you know, he left a, a, uh, a state champion caliber team there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it was, it was more just a matter of just, uh, you know, just moving from the passenger seat into the, into the driver's seat and just making sure we didn't run it into the, into the ground. Um, there really wasn't, a, you know, there was, so there wasn't a philosophy change. There wasn't a terminology change or, or anything or anything like that. And, um, we just kind of kept it going and I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm sure I, I added my own little wrinkle or two or, Hey, we're going to run, you know, this play, but, but style of play and, and philosophy and, and all of that was, was basically the same. So it was really, really easy, easy transition in, in that sense. Were the, uh, was it, uh, different with the players? Um, I don't know. I'm sure it was. I mean, you know, Matt is, Matt is a tremendous coach. And, and, uh, and like I said, and, and as much as I, I learned from Matt, I also knew that I couldn't be Matt. Yeah. I had to be, I had to be me. And so, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, you know, I'm sure it was different for, for them and, and how exactly, you know, I mean, that would be for, for them to say, but, um, again, and this is where it was nice to have someone like Shelsta to lean on and be like, Hey, Shelsta, am I doing this right? Am I screwing this up or, or whatever? And, and he would say, Nope, you know, we're, we need to work on this. We need to work on that. And he could keep a, keep me on track. And, and, uh, like I said, we had, we had some really, a couple really good teams there. Mm-hmm. And you were, you were there for two years before you went out to Millard West, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was two, yeah the two years as the head coach there and then went to Millard West. Gotcha. Okay. What do you see as, you know, some of the the greatest challenges that you have coaching in the largest class in the in the state, and and it would be the same in in Iowa and, and most states. Your your student body at Millard West is about twenty four twenty five hundred kids altogether ish. Yeah, twenty two so, or down yeah, a little bit than yeah. we have been, but yeah, yeah, in that in that range for sure. But yeah, what are, what are some of, you know, I've talked, you know, I've had some small school coaches on here. I've had some bigger school coaches on here. You know, what, you know, what are some of the challenges, uh, of, of coaching in kind of the, the, the largest class and being in a big, big school? Um, I think it's just, you know, on the floor, basketball is, is basketball. And of course in, in class A, it's, it's loaded with really, really good coaches, um, so, you know, you have to be prepared every single night and then, but on top of that, I think it's just the, just the overall organization of your, of your program. Um, it's, it's year round. Um, you know, it's just different, different phases of, of it, you know, like now this year with, with everything that's gone on with being out of school and seasons being canceled, it's a little bit different and we're adjusting, but you know, as soon as the state tournament is over, then you got to start thinking about, you know, you're having your player evaluations and just sitting down with your coaches and talking about what went well, what didn't work. And then you got to start thinking about summer camps. Um, and then, you know, okay, where am I going to, where do we want to go for a summer camp and my, you know, my youth camp and we got to get that planned out. And you got to order t-shirts for that. And you got to, you know, and so then you go through your summer, um, and you're doing your, you know, your morning workouts and conditioning and things like that. And summer flies by and then, then school starts and I give them a few weeks off. And usually after, after Labor Day, um, you know, we'll get going with fall conditioning. And then before you know it, the season and the years just fly by. But, um, 
I've often joked with, with Bill Morrison, our boys coach that, you know, I can understand sort of, you know, these big, big schools down in Texas where they, you know, where the, the head coaches don't the football, especially where they don't even teach, they just coach. Yeah. Um, and I can, I can see that. Like there's, there's things, you know, you're, you're using your, your plan period to do all these things. And, you know, it's, it's around the clock and around the calendar year these days. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, my parents, I have, a, I have, I have wonderful parents that, that, uh, that support a lot of that stuff and help out with, with a lot of the stuff, like, you know, whether it be planning a banquet or doing stuff for the girls during the season. Um, so I have tremendous parent support, um, in all that areas. And cause there's, there's no way I could do all of it by myself. How, uh, you know, I, I haven't asked anybody this question yet, and so uh, you get the you get the first one of this question. Uh, how have you uh, worked your program through the quarantine? You know, what have you guys done uh, to to keep the momentum going off of off of a really good year, uh, but you're losing a, a good percentage of your scoring and rebounding and counting stats. You know, so you you know this summer is going to be a big summer for you guys anyway, and every summer is a big summer for every team. But right. you know, uh, how how do you uh, or how are you going to uh, uh, work your way, or how have you guys worked your way through this situation? You know, to help you out know, other coaches. Yeah, I mean, really, honestly, we haven't done anything other than you know, obviously anything organized. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, we've we've talked on on Zoom and, and things like that, and. And, uh, yeah, this was going to be a huge summer for us. We started, we started four seniors. Um, and I haven't looked at the percentages, but if you look at the, the percentage of, you know, people that were losing that scored points or got rebounds, I mean, we're losing like 90% of every stat. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was going to be a huge summer for us skill development wise with a lot of our young kids. And, um, you know, in our, in our Zoom call, I, Reese, we have Reese Peterson, her, and her dad's the football coach there at Millard West. And I said, I, Reese, I'm nervous about the summer. Um, I can't imagine what your dad is is going through, you know. <laughs> um, so I just encourage kids to to do what they can, you know. I just said, hey, you know, I don't just get a ball in your hands, you know, like get on YouTube and Google home workouts. You know, you can do ball handling drills in your garage, or you know, you can work on your shot by laying on your back and shooting. But and I know that there's some kids that are getting workouts in at places and things like that and getting shots up. But you know, as far as me mandating things or anything like that, it's been it's been nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough, but everybody's in the same boat, you know, as well. Yeah. You know, so I, I think it's also kind of interesting, you know. Uh, you're talking about the the year round responsibilities that you have as a as a as a head coach at a at a larger school, and and I remember telling my dad just uh, a couple of years into my head coaching experience at Scott, and and for those of you that don't know, we're a class smaller than than uh, Mark's school, but it's drastically smaller overall. Um, we have, we have a huge gap here in Nebraska between your A schools and your B schools. But I told my dad, I remember having this conversation with him and, and he said something, well, would you be interested in coaching baseball or something like that? And I said, dad, I don't have time. I said the, don't you think Mark, that the, the days of the, the guy that's the, you know, like the, like the guy in, in the movie Greece, he's the football coach, he's the wrestling coach, he's the baseball coach. Those days are gone. 
don't you think? Yeah, well, except you got Steve Clark over there at Westside laughing at us all. Um, <laughs> and kicking everybody's still, ass. Right, yeah. he's winning state championships and then coaching baseball in the summer. We're all working tailed off, and he's, he's coaching baseball. So maybe he still does it. Maybe he's got it figured out over all of us. I don't know. But, yeah, you're right. I don't – and I – I look at I look at Steve and I'm just like, how in the world are you are you doing that? Like, and he's got a family and everything, and and uh, but yeah, it's it is, um, yeah, just just one thing after after another. Yeah, you're also uh, involved with uh, the AAU stuff. Uh, you know, we were gonna we were gonna do some actual some coaching together yeah. uh, this yeah. this summer, which would have been a lot of fun. Um, and, and maybe we'll get. Do you think we'll have a chance to get stuff going in July? You know, I have no idea. Um, there's been some talk of that, of course, but it's all just, mm-hmm. you know, still up in the air. But yeah. I doubt we'll be, you know, I doubt we'll be uh, making any big travel plans. If we do, maybe it'll just be some local things or something. But honestly, I really don't know. That's up to people higher up the ladder than me. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, higher up the ladder than both of us. Exactly. So, um, but, uh, you know, how difficult is it sometimes to balance your AAU responsibilities with building your your high school program uh and it's becoming especially in a metro area like omaha it's it's becoming more and more prevalent for high school coaches to at least have some toe in the water in the aau stuff uh for reasons we won't get into on this particular podcast but uh you know you know is that difficult sometimes to keep that balance it is. I mean, it's it's just it's time consuming. Um, it seems like every year, um, you know, I say, "Oh, I'm not going to do it next year. I'm not going to do it next year." And then it comes around. I'm like, "Oh, all right, I'll do it." And then when I'm doing it, I love it. And, and again, it, it's just one of those things. But um, you know, for me, I think it's it's really good. And I don't like. I obviously encourage my girls to to play a, a club if they want to. You know, but I don't. They can they can play where they want. Like it's no no pressure. Um, I'm not going to hold it against the kid if they play for one club or another club or whatever. I just, and sometimes it is better for them to play for other coaches and things and maybe not have me around. But mm-hmm. um, I enjoy, you know, again, being around it and, and seeing kids develop. And, um, you know, when I, I coaching with Omaha Sports Academy and I don't get to coach, you know, all my kids that play there, but I can, I can watch them when they go to tournaments and sit in the stands and, and, uh, you know, watch them play and tell them they did a great job or, you know, and, and just, and then in the summer, I, I know then, Hey, they've been working really hard and they just played three games and in, in uh, 24 hours. And so, you know what, you know, take, take Monday off, mm-hmm. you know, take, take it easy. And so, you know, so that we can keep them healthy and not burn them out and, and things like that. And I think from a coaching standpoint, it, it, you know, there's things you can pick up too. There's a, you know, sometimes AAU coaches have a little, you know, stigma and, and some of that is, is true. You find some, some crazy, you do see some crazy stuff out there, but there's also a lot of really good coaches uh-huh. and, uh, you know, you're sitting around watching games all day and you can pick some little things up. And, um, so it's, it's just something that I enjoy doing and being around. Do you find yourself maybe, uh, it's refreshing for you as a coach to coach other kids other than Millard West kids. Uh, yeah, it's it's getting to know the the kids. You know, like um, you know this this group that just finished this last summer that is just just going to be their you know their senior year. I, I coached them from uh, the time they were their eighth graders. The same core of that team. There were some different kids here and there that got added or or that left, but the the, the core of the team was the same for for four years and. You know, it's it's kind of fun, you know, and you go between or you know before the games and the starting lineups, and 
you know, you shake their hand and, you know, you just, you know, their kids and you know, their families. And, um, and it, it also maybe helps scouting wise, you know, what a kid is really good at, or maybe what they're not so good at, but, um, but it's, it's just, yeah, it's fun getting to know kids and to, you know, when you see other kids have success, you know, you think, well, you know, you know, maybe I did have a small part in, in doing that, or I can share that success with them and be like, man, that's great. You know, she's a really good kid. She deserves that. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's same like the high school is all about relationships and getting to know kids and families. Gotcha. Krugs, you're a Cubs fan. Die hard. Correct. Absolutely. Give me yeah. your in our lifetime, we're okay. we're basically the same age. Give yep. me your Chicago Cubs starting lineup from players from our life. Oh boy! Um, well, let's see here. Um, from our from our lifetime, well, Mark Grace, uh, of course, Ryan Sandberg, uh, going around the diamond here. Javi Baez and and Chris Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know, I was I was a big Moises Alou fan. Oh, uh, okay. So I he played with the Cubs for a short time, but I really liked Moises Alou. Um, you know, Sammy Sosa, of course, has kind of a, a tainted little history here, but it's hard to deny what he did for the Cubs and for uh-huh. baseball. Um, of course, center field has been a black hole for the Cubs for years. Yes, it is. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, you got to. You know, when, when a guy hits a, a, um, a home run to lead off game seven of the World Series, uh, um, you know, I'll, yeah. take, I'll take Dexter Fowler in there. And, um, yeah, I mean, they can go, you know, I know they can go way back to the teams that weren't very good. But, um, man, I can remember watching, like, you know, hearing Harry Carey talk about Jody Davis and, um, you know, Bob Dernier and, and people like that when I was a little kid growing up. and. Um, I loved it, and yeah. I, I miss it right now. That's for sure. You, you didn't give me a catcher. Oh, a catcher. Well, I mean, uh, Contreras is Contreras is pretty good, so we we probably probably have to go there. How about uh, you? Got to have a starting pitcher. All right, one one starting pitcher. Just yeah. Well, one, two, three. All right, go through it. Well, um, you know, Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor when they were in their prime. Yeah, were were really 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 good. Um, and so I take, I take those two and, um, you know, give me, uh, let's see here. Who else? Give me, give me Arietta in his, in his prime there a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, and Rick Sutcliffe. Oh, I forgot about Sutcliffe. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your closer? Um, does, uh, again, another black hole for the Cubs, but it's, if, if Chapman counts, I'll take I'll take Chapman or, uh, or how about how about Rod Beck? Oh, the shooter. Yeah. The shooter. Yeah. Gotcha. I I differed with you in a couple of spots here. Uh your infield was exactly like mine. Okay. Um I had Gary the Sarge Matthews in left field. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh I had Jody Davis behind the plate. Yeah. I had Greg Maddox on the hill. Yeah, that's that's a good one too. Yeah, that was pretty. And you know what? I uh, probably if we're really like, I, I could I could take Armas Ramirez over Brian at third base too. That's a good one. That's a good one. Or um, really underrated. Yeah, he was. He was really good. Uh, uh, closer uh, Lee Smith. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We're both just a little bit too young for Bruce Souter. Yeah. But you know. 
in in the in the baby blues uh, in the late seventies there. So before we traded him for uh, to St. Louis for I don't know a piece of the arch or something like that. Another 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 deal where we got hooked and crooked by the Cardinals, but we won't go there. So sorry, Cardinal fans that are listening. So. All right, hey, uh, we want to jump into the to the Don Meyer quote of the day. Uh, Don Meyer, the goat of all time here, um, and you know, Mark, I think you're you know every time I pick these, you know, I, I literally just kind of pick a random Don Meyer quote. But as we get into the pod, there's so many times where it kind of fits uh, the the person that it come that it comes up to, uh, and I think this is a good one for you here. Uh, the Don Meyer quote of the day is: It doesn't matter where you coach; it matters why you coach. Very true. Um, again, I as we started out the podcast, I uh, I started or I grew up in a little tiny town in Hubbard, Iowa. And before, well, I should say when our schools consolidated, um, I had I had thirty kids in my class with two towns consolidated. So it was <laughs> it was really small. And uh, I think back to my my high school coach that I had, and and uh, he was one of those guys like you talked about on Greece. He coached everything. Um, but the influence that, that he had on me and a lot of kids and things was, was something I still think about think about today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's exactly exactly right. We've coached at uh, big schools and smaller schools, and been an assistant and been the head coach, and it's just the, it's just the, the coaching that's that's the best part. Yep. Well, let's jump. I met, oh. I met Don Meyer one time. Oh yeah. Okay. So hey, we're, we're not going to turn down a Don Meyer story. So, um, by accident, actually, I was, when I was at, at Bellevue West, he came, um, and I had no idea he was coming. He came to recruit, I believe it was at the time, Michael Jenkins, um, okay. who went on to, to star at, at UNO. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he came to recruit Michael Jenkins and came to watch practice. Um, and, uh, I don't remember what the deal was. If, if I was just walking through the gym before our practice and all of a sudden Don Myers sitting in the bleachers and I about fell over. <laughs> Um, and I walked back into Coach Woodard's office, and I said, "Is that who I think it is out there?" And he says, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Well, oh my gosh! Like, can I talk to him?" And he's like, "Yeah, you go up and you know say hi or whatever." So I was I was almost scared to do it, but uh, yeah, I went up and and shook his hand and thanked him and told him I'd watched all the you know the videos he'd made. And, um, but yeah, it was kind of a cool cool deal. So if I can say I got to meet uh, the goat, as you say, yeah, uh, our old uh, men's coach at Briar Cliff. Uh, Ray Naki, um, he was, uh, you know, as old school as old school could be. And, uh, he would always, you know, say this or that about this coach that he knew or that coach that he knew, you know, that type of thing. And, and, uh, I don't know, I don't know if you know Terry Comstock at all. Um, I know the name, but okay. we've never met. Okay. So Terry and I went to college together and, and, uh, I was gone. It was during the summertime. But Coach Naki was was in a he, he needed to go up to the school to grab something in the middle of the summer. He went up to the to the locker room and he walked into Coach Naki's office. And they're sitting with Coach Naki just shooting the breeze about hoops. John Wooden. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And and Terry's I just about fell over. Like you yeah. know, there's John Wooden just sitting there and, and Coach always used to say, you know, Coach Wooden and I used to, you know, talking <laughs> You know, and and uh, so I, yeah, it's it's amazing uh, just running into those guys. And Coach Meyer was—I'm sure he was extremely genuine with you, and was uh, you know um, probably a lot nicer to you than he was a lot of his players. I'm guessing. Uh, oh, well, yeah, I just like I said, I just shook his hand and, and uh, got out of the way. I, I didn't want to 
didn't want to distract him. He'd come a long way to to, to not talk to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here to look at Michael Jenkins, but I really wanted to meet Mark Kruger. That's that. Right, that, yeah. that was the real motivation. So. Um, well, hey, let's uh, let's get into your stuff here, Mark. Uh, let's okay. talk about your program. Uh, your assistant coaches. One, that's one of the things you wanted to talk about was the roles sure. of your assistant coaches and what you have them doing. Um, you know, uh, just just kind of go into to 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 your philosophy there and 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 what you do there. Okay. Yeah. It's like I said, I've I've been I've been lucky to have some great assistant coaches along the way. We already talked about Terry Shelsta and, and here at at Millard West. Um, I've had Don Brummer as my varsity assistant for all, all six years, and some of the other faces on the on the benches uh, on the benches have, have turned over turned over some, but I've been lucky to always have a, a great staff. And um, I think you know once you get to the point where you you know you get people that are invested and and that you you know you you trust them and, and they understand what you want. I really think it's important to, from being an assistant, you know, being on both sides, but I think it's really important you got to let them coach. Um, so give them responsibilities. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm smart enough to know that I, I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it really gives them, really gives them ownership. And so, you know, Don has, has coached our, our post players every year. And, you know, we'll give him, you know, 10 or 20 minutes almost every day in practice where they're just doing post stuff. And I just put it, Don, you got 20 minutes. And maybe once or twice a week, I'll tell him some things that I want him to work on. But otherwise, those are his. And and the guards, um, you know, I've had several different people over the, the years coach, the, coach my guards and things. And same thing, like, hey, we need to work on this. We need to work on that. We're, we're you know, reading screens. We're just getting shots up and ball handling stuff, skill development. Um, and sometimes it's just simple stuff of just catch, turn, rip, and pivot, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just seeing that, you know, just so I, I try to turn some of that stuff over in practice. And then while that's going, if that's if that's 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, then I just kind of watch and I go back and forth. And, uh, you know, I'll go down and, and help out a group of guards, whatever they're working on, and watch them. And, and uh, same thing with the posts. And, and I say kind of let them coach and do their thing. And um, same thing. Same thing when it comes to to scouting. I think we've we've really kind of evolved over the past couple of years. Um, like when I was when I was first doing it at, at Bellevue West, um, you know, I was basically doing all the all the scouting. Mm-hmm. Um, Coach Shelston was great, but he wasn't he wasn't breaking down film at this time in his career anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I was doing a lot, and, and it just you know when you when you play. Sometimes in the in the year, you know, you're playing Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. Um, it's really hard to be prepared, and so you need assistants that are going to help out. And so, I've been lucky enough to have a staff that I can say, okay, look, if uh, you know, I'll I'll do the scout for the Tuesday and the Saturday games, and then you know, give us an assistant or two the scout for Friday, and uh, and that becomes their their job for the week. And, you know, and, and, and huddle makes it so easy to just, you know, be able to break stuff down. And, and so, um, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll dabble a little bit into watching some film on them, but I basically turn that over to the, to the assistants. So when we get to Friday, um, or, or Thursday before the game, you know, okay, what are we, what are we dealing with here? You know, and they'll put together the scouting report and we'll go through it and they'll have clips ready to show the team. And, uh, it's kind of almost sometimes like I'm learning along with them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, and they've again I think it's huge to give them that that ownership and and I believe you you know you, you want your assistant coaches to how do you say this you know you you hope that they don't always want to be an assistant coach mm-hmm. um, you know they're trying to work their way up or um, or else you have somebody again like like Don Brummer is already a head softball coach and and Terry Shelster, they've been around for, for eons, but, um, you know, you have some younger people that hopefully their aspirations are to be a head coach one day. And, and I think you, you, again, you have to let them coach and, and, um, and, uh, and get, dig in and, and do those things. So, um, that's how, that's how we do it. And, and I know I was listening to your, your Mike neighbors podcast the other day, and, you know, he was talking the same thing about, um, you know, he didn't call an out of bounds play. Mm-hmm. He has an assistant that's in charge of all that. And, and um, I, I probably call our out of bounds plays, but again, I have coaches that will scout the other teams out of bounds plays. Yeah. And so when a team lines up in a formation, I might, I'll probably turn and look to the bench, like, "Hey, what's coming here?" Yeah. And oh, this formation, you're getting, you know, pick the picker or whatever it is. So um, I think it's huge to give them responsibilities and let them coach. Yeah, I, I always turned over like out-of-bounds plays or, you know, uh, Sarah Goodwin did an awesome job for me in that regard, and, and she she put in a ton of time trying to figure that out. I think that's really important, uh, like you said, especially when you have somebody invested. Um, how, how, uh, how important is it for them to hear voices other than your own throughout the practice? Oh, I think it's really important. Like, it's, it's uh, and, and, and not just not just practice either, but, but games, you know, like when, uh, if, if, for example, if, if I did everything in practice and then it comes time to a game and an assistant coach is going to try to help them, well, you know, there's no, there's no trust there. There's no, you know, why is she telling me this, you know, or are you telling me that? But when they're there in practice and working with them every day, you know, again, it builds that relationships and it gives those assistant coaches and things to the confidence to be able to, you know, say something positive or negative on the, on the bench. And the, and the kid will, will respond and knows that, Hey, this coach, I trust this coach. They have my you know best interests in mind. Um, and so I think that it builds, it builds that way too. How do you guys organize things on your, on your bench there with working through those, uh, those communication things like that? Uh, just, just on down the line. Yeah, it's. I mean, I guess it's. There's not a necessarily a formal thing, uh, but I guess there's. You know, you'd say there's kind of a, the hierarchy uh, of things. Um, where again, like Don Brummer being my varsity assistant, if some of the other assistants have an idea, you know, they'll kind of run it run it through him, and then he'll he'll suggest to me so I don't have three or four different people. You know, you don't want. Hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do that. And you don't want everything coming at you but um you know so we kind of run stuff up the chain of command so to speak mm-hmm. um but i want my coaches to have the confidence to be able to feel like they can suggest things or or uh you know um make a change if, if need be or something like that but we kind of run it like i said up through the chain of command um and then as far as you know on the on the bench um you know sometimes um you know, again, if it's a guard or something, and, it, and it, so maybe somebody's whatever turned the ball over, or they're not making a bounce pass into the post like we want. You know, and I'll I'll talk to my person that's in charge of the guards, like, hey, will you get her straightened out? You know, or and so again, they have that relationship with the kids. 
this this wasn't on our on our list, and I don't know if you have an answer for this or not, but this popped into my head, so I'm just going to throw it at you. I, I trust you. Sure. All right. Uh, how about like stuff like uh, timeout organization? Do you guys go through that? Do you have a set? Uh, this is how we're going to organize a 30-second. This is how we're going to organize a full timeout, uh, that type of stuff. Do you, do you guys go through that and practice at all? I guess in, in 35 podcasts, we've never really talked about anything like that. So, um, You know, the only thing we really do is, um, you know, we have the, the players that, that are not directly in the game um, that go and stand behind the bench during a full timeout. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple of different reasons for that. Um, Number one, I think it uh, it kind of creates a, a barrier between us and, and mom and dad a little bit, mm-hmm. and and I'm not I'm not cussing and swearing and in huddles or things like that, but it's just um, you know that's that's our space and, and things like that. And then number two, it, it keeps those girls that that aren't maybe directly in the game or that are number nine, ten, and eleven on your bench or something like that. Um, it, it kind of forces them to to be engaged in the huddle and they're not looking up at mom and dad in the crowd and, and things like that and, and wandering. So, um, we, we do talk about that. Um, uh-huh. and then as, as coaches, it's more, I guess maybe not something we really talk about, but, um, you know, when, if we, if there's a full timeout, um, again, like my varsity assistant, Don and I will, will chat first or whatever. And then, okay, this is what we need to do. Okay. Yeah. We good with this. And, but so we'll meet real quick as coaches first and then go in the huddle with, with the plan of, of what we want to do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, how about, how about halftime? Again, this is off the cuff here. Uh, do you guys have anything, uh, set, or put together for your halftime organization. How do you how do you go through uh, how do you go through your halftimes? Um, well, we, I call it. This is again going back something I, I learned from from Fritchie. Um, we call it the sandwich method. Good, bad, good. So we we try to talk about what went well, what we're doing really well, what's working, and then talk about you know what's not working, and here's what we need to do to fix that. And then always end on a positive again. Um, so uh, we come out of the locker room, no matter how the first half went. Hopefully, with with confidence and on a on a positive note. So we try to again. I call it the, the sandwich method. So mm-hmm. kind of good, good, bad, good. Um, and and again, short, short and simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not, uh, you know, you're not going to change everything you're going to do in the eight minutes of a halftime or whatever. Yeah. So one of the things that we did um, is we would have the kids uh, write on the board uh, a couple of things that we did well in the first half and a couple of things that that we need to do better in the second half to get them thinking while we're talking in that minute or two outside the locker room, you know, type of a thing. And it was, you know, our kids did a really nice job the vast majority of the time of you know, uh, really thinking the game and most of the things that they were talking about in the locker room, we were talking about in the hallway as well. Uh, but it, it was a way to, um, uh, you know, see who your leaders are, uh, see who's going to speak up, uh, see, you know, uh, have some sort of organization, have them, have them still thinking the game while they're going in at halftime. So they just don't lose that concentration. So that was something that I, I really thought worked well for us as yeah. well. So, um, 
you know, that, that, that was good. That was, that was good for us. So if, if somebody wants to, to lift that from, from this as well, Hey, roll there with you it. Go. So, yeah, I like that. Um, how about your youth program? Yeah. Uh, you guys have a, 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 a really, uh, uh, good sized, uh, youth program. Uh, you got a lot of kids involved. Uh, what have you guys done to, to get that going to help develop kids to, to play for the Wildcats? Well, that, that was something that was, you know, started long before I was at, at Millard West. It was already a, a well-oiled machine kind of when I, when I got there. Um, and, and quite honestly, I don't, I don't do, I, I, I'm not real hands-on with it. Um, I try to get to some practices and I try to get to games and I try to, you know, we've had some, some clinics with, for coaches and things like that. Um, but I'm not real big on, you know, hey, you have to run what we run or, or things like that. Like that stuff we can we can teach them, you know, when they as, as you know, coming in as freshmen and things like that. Um, I just want them to develop skills and to develop a love for the game and to have fun um, and, and, and that kind of stuff. So as far as dictating what they do and, and how they play, you know, we try to encourage them. I, I really don't want them playing zone defense and things like that. Um, you know, to teach man to man and it'll pay off in the long run and, and all of that. Um, and to try to play fast. So there's some general philosophy things that are the same, but as far as dictating exactly, you know, what they're running and what they're calling and then things like that, I don't, I don't get into, into all of that, but, um, there's, again, I mentioned the parent support and the, and the organization with that, the lady that, that runs that for me right now, her name is Carla Stocker and she does a tremendous job organizing and finding coaches and and all of that and it's um again just something i can kind of keep my my eyes on and i don't have to deal with the finances of it or anything like that i'm I'm pretty much just uh come and go as i please what uh that's kind of interesting because a a lot of folks myself included with with our youth teams we tried to keep a lot of the the common verbiage and and as much as a sixth grader could could adapt to what we're trying to do, whether it was offensively or defensively, we we did kind of say, well, we want you to call this this and that that, and you know, uh, that type of thing. What's kind of your, uh, you know, a little bit more of a of a hands off uh, yeah, philosophy I mean, I on that, especially when you get into the older kids. Like so many kids now are playing on clubs and stuff like that, that everybody calls stuff different anyway. Uh-huh. So as long as you know, as long as they know, you know what it means to be in a gap or you know whatever it is you're you're talking about. Somebody might call it this, and somebody might call it that. Oh, okay. When when my you know as long so as long as they know, you know what we want them to do, that, that they can understand that. Oh, this coach called it that, but I called it that, and they'll pick up on that real fast. And that doesn't not something I'm um, a huge. Um, stickler on, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like I said, I just want kids to be able to, like they say, learn how to play and not not necessarily run plays, but but learn how to play. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. And and, and you're right. I mean, you you do really make a good point about you know we we had talked about AAU earlier, you know, and you got kids playing on their high school team and one or maybe one or two different AAU teams, or you got youth kids that are playing on two or three different teams. And you you are correct there that that they're playing for so many people that. You know, basketball is in large part just basketball. You know, yeah. I think I think that common verbiage is really really important. You know, within just our our program at Millard West, if the freshman team is running, they need to call it this, and we need to call it that. So, you know, you never know. You may have kids moving up different levels, and 
hey, I was playing on the freshman team, and now I find myself on the JV team. Um, you know, they have to be able to, to know. You know, that that verbiage there has to be all all the same. But transitioning from the youth program to high school, I don't think it's a big deal to to uh, you know have have new verbiage on things. Gotcha. Your your half court offense, and that's something you wanted to talk about. Uh, maybe uh, a couple of set uh, a pet set plays that you like to run here kind of going into your philosophy of of how you teach your your half court offensive philosophy and what you guys do there at miller west all right well we uh you know we're we've been pretty pretty multiple i guess over the over the years i'm a big believer in in not trying to fit you know a square peg in a round hole um and so we've we've been we've had different looks over the past couple of years just depending on the type of team that we that we have um so i guess basically you'd say we are we are a motion team but we we like to be able to practice different ways and play different ways so we practice playing five out and you know try to teach what spacing looks like when it's five out um we've we've played four out um you know with with one in around around a post and talk about that and we played uh, three out two in with two posts so We've had, you know, kids that we can, you know, post up and, and take advantage of a mismatch or something like that and, and just talk about, okay, if we're, you know, if we're playing three out, two in, you know, we're, hey, we're looking for high-low opportunities and guards, then you have to make sure you're staying out of the middle of the floor so the other posts can flash, you know. So we try to teach them, try to teach them to play multiple ways. And, uh, and, and every year I go through this that, you know, I said, man, are we – you know, are we the, the jack of all trades and the master of none? Um, but at the same time, you know, again, I, I don't think, you know, the, a few years back when we had when we had Philomena Lammers, who just, just finished one of the greatest careers in NAI history, um, when we had we had her and we had a, a post-kid named Courtney Merriweather, who unfortunately was her seater. She only played one year because of injuries, but she was an incredible talent. And we had these two really good, really good post players, those two. And, and we started playing, and we changed in the middle of the season. We started running Bill Self's high low motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and we rode that to the, the state final game. And then the next year, we didn't have the same personnel and we didn't run it anymore. So, uh-huh. um, again, I think you have to, you have to be adaptive with your personnel and that's where we talked about being able to to play the game and not being um, stuck into a, a pattern or something like that you know where we have to be they can they can adjust so they know how to play the game what are some things that you guys do to to uh maybe some drill work or or whatever to to emphasize just playing the game um just you know we'll we'll break down some things and and we'll have um you know posts and guards work together um, or work on, you know, feeding the post and the guards might, you know, what I call Laker cut off of it to the basket. Um, and just playing, just playing three on three a lot. Uh, we do that a lot in, in warmups, um, playing some three on three stuff. Um, sometimes we'll put, we'll put some rules on it, you know, where, Hey, you know, you can't score until it gets in the post. Um, um, or, you know, or, Hey, we can't, we can't even look to score until we set three screens or, you know, or we have to set it now. Hey, you have to score off of a flare screen or, you know, putting different emphasis on it or lots of times we haven't had to do it. We didn't really have to do it this past year, but, um, we'll, we'll play no dribble. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and really force them to, you know, we say the only time you can dribble is, you know, one dribble to go finish a layup or something like that. But uh, some teams we've had were really dribble happy and try to emphasize the pass and, and moving the ball and getting a teammate open and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, you guys work a lot, like, uh, on, on, like, back cuts and movement without the ball as well then. And that's what that no dribble or the one dribble uh, does there. That's what you're trying to emphasize there as well, aren't you? Yeah, and I, you know, we don't, we don't, we play, I mean, we do a lot of just five on five and just playing and breaking it down. Um, and uh, uh, I probably, it's probably something I, I need to do a, a better job of is maybe breaking it down into some, you know, three person drills and, and things like that. But um, I really like, you know, again, teaching in the moment and we can stop it and say, hey, look, you know, if that person is dribbling right at you, you know, you got to read your defender and you know, it's a back door. And like we talk about too, like really the only thing you can do wrong is just stand there. Um, and so we're teaching them spacing and movements or, and things like that, just kind of on the, on the fly. I like that. The only thing you can do wrong is stand. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's no, that, but I mean, that's, that's so simple. It's, it's if brilliant. Know, yeah. If you, know. you don't know what to do, just cut. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there or, you go. Or, or screen or something, you know, Hey, go, you know, go find the best player on the floor and get them open. You know, <laughs> <laughs> do you guys do a lot with uh, with ball screen type of stuff? We we run. We started running a couple of years ago as kind of a change up, a uh, um, a ball screen kind of continuity offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, I don't know, a lot of teams. When I started kind of researching it, a lot of college teams run it, um, and and we run it quite a bit just to kind of see, you know, okay, how are teams going to guard this? Yeah. Um, and how are they going to guard this ball screen? And, and again, you can take advantage of they switch. All right. Well, we can get them to switch on a guard. We can have a mismatch or uh, if they're really going to hedge it hard. All right. We'll teach them to slip it. Um, or we're going to get to the middle and, and then, you know, hey, so there's, it's, it's really, it's really good as a, as a change up and we don't run it you know, 100% of the time. But if our motion is getting stagnant and we're not moving or we're not, you know, doing things like, all right, we need to, we need to run. We call it Gonzaga Mm because that's one of the teams that run it. Um, But Hey, we need to run Gonzaga here. You know, we got to force them to set a screen and do some things. Um, So we, we use it as that. And sometimes if it's, you know, if it's working, we'll keep, we'll keep milking it till it, till it, you know, bucks us off or whatever. Um, And there's other times where, you know, it's it's not getting us anything, and so we got to go to motion and get a team spread out or, or whatever. So, again, I think that goes on, and that's we're able to do that again at Millard West. We've had really talented kids um, that, and we've had kids that we can, you know, post up and have good post players, and we've had good guards, and so we can play. We can play multiple styles. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the things we've really been lucky with. Yeah, yeah. If it if it ain't broke. Don't try to fix it, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Us Iowa guys can figure that out, you know. Yeah, so that's right. What's uh, uh? Yeah, exactly. I uh, I uh, I always told uh, Coach Terman, you gotta you gotta throw an exotic or two out there every <laughs> once in a while. He's like, "What in the yep. world's an exotic?" I'm like, "Well, <laughs> you, 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 you got to grow up stand. on the east side of the Missouri River to understand yeah. that." So. Yeah, have your have your tight end stand up on the line of scrimmage, and then you're. <laughs> I think I've told this story, but I uh, uh, Terman always wanted me to play one three one, and I said, 
if I play one three one, then you're gonna run a stand up tight end. You know? He goes, <laughs> Deal. Deal. So uh we're playing somebody and we were up twenty five or thirty points or whatever and I called you know, it was kind of, I don't know, it was maybe kind of a jerkish move. I don't know. But I called timeout with like three minutes left in the game. I'm like, all right, here, I want you. And I got on my board. You stand here. You go here. You go here. Do this. Like, we're going to get into a 1-3-1. And the girl's like, coach, we've never ran 1-3-1 in your life. I said, I know, but I need to win a bet with Coach Terman here. <laughs> so the next next morning, uh, he, I brought him down to my classroom. I said, here it is. All right, I want to I want to see the Marv Cook stand up tight end. And... Uh, I don't know if he ever paid me off for that. I I, I, I need to talk to him about that and see if he, <laughs> see if I can get that going. So, um, what's a couple of and, and again uh, the the medium isn't the best for this, but what's maybe a couple of really good drills that you guys like to run, and, and maybe a couple of really good set plays that you guys like to run. Okay, um, so offense. I could do you want offense, defense. Which one do you want? It's it, this is your podcast, coach. Um, let's do some defensive ones here. Okay. Um, so one of the things we, I don't know if it's the girl's favorite drills. I think it might be the coach's favorite drill. Uh, we just call it, we call it waves. Okay. And so we put five, five people out there on defense and then everybody else is in five different lines up at, up at half court, right behind half court. So if you had, you know, 15, 15 people in, in practice, you have you know five that are on the floor ready to play defense, and then two lines of, of five ready to go out at, out at half court. And each group each group has a ball, so there's there's three balls going here. Okay. And so the first group will come on, and uh, they'll play they'll play five on five, and they have to get they have to get a stop. Um, and of course, we're coaching all kinds of things. You know, you can't get face cut. You know, we're, so we're coaching all the things we want them to do. Um, you know, getting help and check out and all that. Well. As the possession ends, whether it ends on a on a make or a miss or or whatever, uh, let's say there's a miss and the defensive player gets the rebound, they just throw the ball to a, a coach or we have coaches kind of spread out around the, the floor and they just get rid of the ball. And as soon as that thing goes through the net or the defensive player gets the rebound, that next group of five is coming at them full speed trying to score. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so instantly. They have to scramble, and they don't know where. Like the ball, we'll put the ball in different places. Like we, the ball just doesn't come in the middle every single time. The ball may be way on one end of one side, or in the, you know, it could be with any of those five kids. So they don't know where the ball is. They have to turn as fast as they can. They got to find the ball. They got to get matched up, and they got to go. And and it's just we can just make it as fast as we as we can, and it forces them to talk and communicate. And, uh, and then same thing, that one goes and they get a stop, the ball comes, and then that next group is coming at them. So they're just coming at them in waves, mm-hmm. and that's where the name of the, the drill comes in. And, and that's really an effort drill. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a communication drill. Uh, it's a toughness drill. We'll put different, you know, we'll say, you know, the group that's on defense, we'll say, hey, you got to stay in here till you get, you know, three or four, whatever you want to do, you know, three stops in a row. Um, and if you get an you give up an offensive rebound, you know you go back to zero, or you can put, you know, whatever kind of whatever kind of limitations on it or, or punishments on it that you that you want to. Um, so that's one we really when we're really going to get after it. That's one we we do. It's again, it's physical um, and it's competitive. And uh, again, it really forces communication and things like that. And and sometimes even if we're in our in our main gym. 
you know, we'll, we'll crank music loud and kind of like, you know, simulate uh, an environment where they, you know, it's not just dead silent. So they really have to talk and yell and communicate. Um, to, so that's to, to make them really antsy, do you put in some like Pearl Jam or some, <laughs> you know, something? Sometimes, yeah, with Coach Coach Brummer is a huge Kiss fan, so sometimes <laughs> we'll we'll break out the Kiss and, and stuff, and the girls don't have any idea what it is. But um, <laughs> that's so good. That's, that's one we really like. Um, another one that uh, that we do is is called. Um, we do this one mainly with just sometimes we'll do it with all the kids but it's mainly just kind of one we do with the with the post kids uh we call it war rebounding mm-hmm. uh, well you know what actually we do do it with all of them we just break it down into different different groups we do the we do this with all the kids uh, but it's basically two on two so we start with two kids on the elbow and two kids kind of underneath on the lane line yeah and they'll they'll throw it out or they'll throw it to me actually and i'll shoot it and and miss it and then it just turns into a free-for-all for the rebound and then whoever gets it offense or defense is trying to score yeah and then it just turns into it turns into two on two um and so we'll play for like one team will stay on offense a whole five minutes and then after five minutes or however many hours time you want to um you know put on it um and then after those five minutes or whatever, and then we'll flip the teams and then the other team will go under the basket and the other team will come out and then, you know, they'll say, okay, the first team, they scored eight points in their five minutes. You guys you know, you have to beat that. Losers have to run or do push-ups or, or whatever. And, uh, that one gets, that one gets nasty. Uh, we've had some, some bloody noses and some bruises out of, out of that. Um, uh, but it really teaches aggressiveness and man, you got to go after that rebound. And, and then, uh, you know, we don't call, we don't call a whole lot of fouls in that. Um, you got to play through it. Don't whine, don't complain. Um, teaching them to play through contact and stuff like that. So that's one we, we do again when we're really being, it's not one you can do every single day, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> if we're really being really getting after it, um, that's, we feel like we need some some toughness if we were soft on the glass or something. That's one we'll we'll do a couple of times a week. Um, and then another one. This is nothing new. Almost everybody does this, but you know we call it we call it cutthroat, uh, where you your defenders uh, are the only the only way you can score is on defense. Um, if you if you tip a pass, it's a point, or if you get a stop or a steal, it's two points. If you take a charge, it's three points. Um, and then, you know, to, if you score on offense, then you get to play defense. So that's kind of like earning okay. a right to play defense. And then as coaches, we're looking, we're always looking for reasons to kick them out mm-hmm. on defense. Um, you know, you give up an offensive rebound, you're out. So now you don't get to score. So now you got to earn your way back in. So, um, you know, or they're not talking. And sometimes, you know, if we're in a bad mood, we can just, you know, oh, you're not talking good enough or, you know, you got face cut or you didn't step with the right foot, whatever, whatever it may be, you guys get out of there. We'll kick them out and just emphasize them on being, being perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll tell them, you know, Hey, because they, you know, we're not, we're not giving you that stop. She just missed a layup. You know, you didn't get a stop. She just missed. So let's force a contested shot. Let's, let's, you know, get her check out to get a rebound. You don't just get lucky that it came to you, you know, so we can really, um, and again, we can make that competitive and we'll, you know, depending on how you mix up your groups, you may tell, you know, your, 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 your first five players that, that they have to get to, you know, 10 points and then 
maybe your JV group, you know, they have to get to six points and uh, maybe if you have three groups, you know, hey, you guys have to get to four points and, uh-huh. and to, you know, whoever wins. You can scale it however you want. But uh, so, again, that's that's nothing new. But, again, we just try to be competitive and to keep harping on, you know, again, being in the right spot, helping your teammate, trusting your teammate um, that they're going to, you know, if you need help, that they're going to be where they need to be and communicate with you and all those things. Um, so those are some ones half-court defense-wise that – as coaches are kind of our, our favorite ones to, to get after it. Um, offensive wise, um, one I, I really like, and I got, I got this, not, the drill itself I didn't you know, get from him, but um, the way he used it I got from Darren Hansen at UNO. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to watch one of his practices, and, and I call it three on two and a half. And it's, again, everybody I'm sure does the drill uh, where you got, you know, three on two, and then once the ball crosses half court, that third defender comes in. So you have a you have a numbers advantage just for a short time, and then it turns into three on three. Uh, but what we did with it is I make them really short games. So again, I, I emphasize the girls. We want to compete with everything that we do. You know, winning and losing it, it matters. And you, whatever the drill is, you should be trying to win. Um, so we make them real short games. Like we might only play to five, and that's mm-hmm. with twos and threes. So it may only make it only make you only beat you know two baskets or something to win the game, but maybe we'll play two out of three or, or whatever. And so we try to make them real short, competitive games. And then sometimes what we'll add to it is if they if they score the five points, um, then to win the game they have to make a free throw. Mm-hmm. And if they don't make the free throw, well then the points come off the board and we'll go again. And and sometimes you know this game will go on forever if they can't make a free throw, which is. Is bad. You want to be able to make the free throw, but it's good in the sense that that other team keeps competing. Uh-huh. And hey, we're not out of this. And we've had teams, you know, come all the way back. Maybe they were getting beat five to one or whatever, and they come all the way back and win. Because so again, so we'll we'll do that. Um, and again, I think it's again, it's teaching them how to play. It's it's three on three, and they can you know they can screen and and uh, you know then we'll talk about this in in there too. Like we had we had a kid this year who well we had a couple, but. Um, this girl Kennedy Donner can could really really shoot the three, and you know we talk about in practice all the time. Like, why would you let her shoot that shot? You know, how does she? <laughs> how how are you like? Just take it, make her drive it. You know, do something, make her do something else. So, um, so you can kind of talk about you know you're scouting a team or whatever. Hey, look, what does she do well? Well, don't let her do it. Um, so, you know, there's all kinds of teachable moments and, and stuff like that. Um, another one that. Uh, uh, we probably don't do enough of, but I really like is we're working on time and clock situations. Um, and we'll just put two teams out there and put two minutes on the clock with a tie score and just let it go. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what team is going to be working from the head and what team is going to be working from behind. And then um, we'll have, you know, we'll say, hey, every dead ball you have to sub. So if there's six or seven kids on a team, so you don't just always have the same kids sitting on the sideline. So everybody's getting involved with it. And then as coaches, like I might coach one team and another assistant may coach another team. But and so we may call the timeouts, you know, hey, we quick got a score, we're behind, so I'm gonna call a timeout, set up our, our press or something. But but we'll, I might call the timeout, but then the girls are in charge of the huddles. Mm-hmm. I don't coach in the huddles. They they do it. And Sometimes you're scratching your head like, oh, my gosh, you know, this isn't right. We should be doing this. Why aren't they pressing? Why aren't they fouling? Um, but I'll just let them do it and let it play out, and then we can talk about it afterwards. Uh-huh. Like, 
like, hey, look, you know, you were we were down we were down four points with thirty seconds left. You know, do we really have to have a three? We have to score twice. Uh-huh. You know, like you don't have to have a three in that situation. But so um, I, that's been really big for us too. Is is again, you know, giving those getting them to understand time and clock situations um, on on both sides of the ball, um, and and letting them letting them do it because um, there's you know you've you've seen it, and I, I'm sure you know my team's have been guilty of it too. You know, all of a sudden something happens and you hit a shot and you you tie up the game, and then you know you then you you've been fouling or something, and I I can go foul again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you, because you just didn't realize, hey, how many are we up? Are we up two? Are we up three? What you know, like so. And, and again, sometimes you've had kids foul out of a game, and you have your seventh or eighth kid in the game. Um, so hopefully they've been in those situations before, and it's not something foreign to them. Um, so that's one. And then one more, uh, just a just a shooting drill is uh, I really like this one for the the summer. One of the things I'm big with in practice is is just trying to maximize time. Like I hate people just standing around, uh, and so lots of times when you're doing shooting drills. Well, yeah, it looks good or whatever, but how many shots are they really getting? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they pass it here and then they jog there and they pass it and they jog there. Well, there's only one or two people shooting the ball. Um, so this is one I really like. We, it's just a 180 shooting because there's going to be 180 made shots. Um, so it works best if like six people at a basket. Um, so you have a partner, two or three groups of, of two uh, with one in the middle and then two like, you know, on the, on the baselines. And they start out right at point blank range. So each each group has one ball, uh, and they, they have to make twenty shots. Um, so as total as the, as the group from point blank range, and when they make twenty, they rotate spots, and they make twenty from there. And then they rotate spots, and they make twenty from there. Well, then you know that's that's sixty. So then they back up to about fifteen feet, and they do the same thing, and they make sixty shots from there. So then we're at one twenty, and then we move back to the three point line. And we do the same thing from there, um, and so it really is efficient. Uh-huh. Um, you can, if you do it with with two people in a group or three people in a group, they're getting lots of shots off um, in a, in a good amount of time. And then we have two groups do it at the same time, you know, and we'll we'll race um, who can win it, you know, who can get it first. Um, one of the things we started to do is is we call it game winners, and uh, you know, when you get when you get to nineteen, then it's like okay. We got 19. Who's going to hit the game winner? And maybe we'll give them a little, you know, there's a, whoever hits the game winner, hey, we're going to give them a Gatorade or, or something or, or whatever. So we'll kind of put a little extra pressure on it or something, you know, to mm-hmm. hit, hit, hit the game winning shot. And so there's all kinds of little things we can do at it. But I've just found it to be a really efficient drill to get, um, you know, lots of shots off in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that one. Um, I would say my two favorite ones that you gave us here, and they were all really good, Mark. Uh, I like the waves, and I like the 180. Those are those are really really good. Um, I just you know again just getting a, a lot of action in there in a short amount of time, and, and then getting a, a ton of shots up, and emphasizing makes as well, and it puts pressure on players to make shots with with a clock going, or if there's another group going down at the other end there uh, in a competitive situation, it makes them think about that. So I really like that. I really like that. They're all really good, though. 
They're all yeah, really lots, good. Of, lots of times, you know, like we're split up and we'll do it, you know, kind of at a JV at one end and a varsity group at the other end. And, you know, I'm standing in the middle watching and I'll, get, you know, push the varsity guy. Hey, look, those, the JV group, they're ahead of you. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're a rotation ahead of you. They're beating you. You know, you better get caught up. Um, you know, maybe we got the wrong group at this end or something, <laughs> you know, like we can, you know, we can, we can push them that way too. So, yeah. Start talking a little trash with them, you know. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, nothing whatever, wrong with that. Whatever it takes. Nothing wrong with that. So, um, social media for Millard West, the Wildcats, uh, or yourself, anything you want to share? Oh, man, I just have to, I almost have to look it up to make sure I don't screw up the, the Twitter handle. It's just like MW Lady Cats, I believe, for our, our Twitter handle. And, um, yeah, it's becoming, I don't know, you know, how many. I know the, the girls are on Twitter, but they're on other things. I think I'm still a I'm still a Twitter guy. I think the girls are onto other Snapchats and TikToks and things like that. But um, but yeah, Twitter is something I'm, I'm out there and pretty active on. And so yeah, um, yeah, my my kids have have lost half their quarantine to TikTok. I think so. <laughs> um, but. Hey, you know it's 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 hard to to be very judgmental in this time. If if they're on TikTok, that means they're not beating the snot out of each other. So that's the that's best true. thing. That's the best thing. So uh, Mark Kruger from Millard West High School, Coach Krugs, thanks so much for coming on here. I I, I hope you I hope you had a good time. I did. I enjoyed it, and like I said earlier, I enjoyed uh, this whole kind of the forum and the, the, like the roundtables, the state tournament, all that was was great stuff. So. I think you've, uh, you've hit on a, on a niche of something that coaches can really take advantage of and enjoy. So I appreciate being a part of it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you could hold the line here just a sec. Um, yeah. uh, i got a couple things to wrap up here. Uh, first of uh, first and foremost, of course, is to once again thank our, our sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, uh, 402-964-0300. Give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Like I said, a pen and a napkin. Uh Going through my Don Meyer collection here, and and we replace napkins with note cards. Uh, we want to make sure everybody has enough paper products around them. But uh, uh, we're, we're, that's kind of been my big push here since the quarantine started. Uh, download and rate review uh, the podcast here. Uh, obviously, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so make sure that you uh, do that. Subscribe and like it. And then, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, uh, email me a pen and a napkin at gmail. Com. This has been Mark Kruger from Millard West High School, uh, Iowa guy, Cub guy. There's not a lot wrong with Mark Kruger, I can tell you that right now. So, uh, coaches, stay safe, and as always, continue to hone your craft one day at a time.